Well, good morning. It is good to see your smiling faces as I was singing that last song with you guys. I kept thinking of the word hallelujah. And wherever you go in the world today, that translates to guess what? Hallelujah. And whether you're in China, whether you're in Zambia, whether you're somewhere in South America or in Europe, this one thing that unites all people together is Jesus. And from that, we can say hallelujah, praise God, thank you for that. Thank you for the redeeming power of Christ. And right now, that is something we need to stand behind and stand with more than anything else. Because I'm convicted as, uh, as I've looked on the news and as I've experienced different conversations with different people. Sometimes we find ourselves torn apart even within the body of Christ. And what I want to encourage you to do, whether you are anti-vaccine or for-vaccine, whether you are Democrat or Republican, whether you are frustrated or not frustrated, whether you believe in masks or you don't, Here's the deal, and here's what's beautiful about all of this, is that Jesus is a uniting factor here. Agreed? And so whatever our petty arguments may be, let us center around the person of Jesus Christ and cling to him and love and let that be the definition of who we are. Amen? And so uh, that is something that has, has nothing to do with what I'm going to talk about this morning, okay? Um, I do, I just, sometimes you just got to say it, guys, right? And, uh, and I had last week off, so I got a lot to say. Um, I do want to say a couple things this morning before we get rolling. Um, and this is going to be something we challenge you to do at the end of our time together this morning is I'm challenging our church to do 30 days of prayer. And uh, here's the reason why. Uh, if you've noticed on stage here, uh, Megan, who has done a fantastic job, along with the other worship team members that are out here leading worship for us, are all volunteers. We have two full-time staff positions open right now in our church and I'm going to be very honest with you that's very representative of where our country is and where our culture is right now nobody can find anybody to work and that is very much represented within the church itself uh, from what we've seen in the last nine months we've seen more pastors and ministers leave the ministry completely than we've seen over the last several decades and so as we look for these new positions as worship pastor and as next generation pastor, we are going to be taking some time to sit back and pray. That's it. Uh, we can search, we can fill in resumes, we can look for all, all those things, and the answer may be here. And some of you in this room and on us, uh, joining us online may be called to ministry, much more than a volunteer role. And I want to challenge you to tap into that and listen to what the Lord is saying. I fought it for years, and I will never forget kicking and screaming and crying and fussing and cussing, all those things. I did not want to go into ministry because the only picture of a pastor I had was a fat, balding guy that screamed too much. I'm two of those. Um, but the thing is this, and this is what I want you to understand, is that God may be calling you to do that online or here. And beyond that is, is that we come together as a church, let's unite together and really come around each other and be the body of Christ. What's so beautiful in this room, and if you walk around and meet and talk to different volunteers that we have, we have people with extraordinary capabilities. We have some interns that are doing some fantastic jobs right now and working way much more and much more effective than I've had some full-time people work. And so uh, be praying for that with me. Are y'all in agreement with that? As, uh, as we lean on volunteers, and some of you are going to be called on, some of you who have gifts in the music area, we're going to have time to where we bring you back. So if you've kind of drifted away from leading, I want to encourage you to come back. I want to encourage you to get involved. It is a wonderful way to lead. And we're going to be setting up some new structures. And what other people see as an obstacle, River Hills is going to see it this way. We're going to look at it as an opportunity. Because here is what COVID has done. And this is a good thing, all right? 
Here's what COVID has done. It's erased the paradigm. That's good. That's really good. It's erased the paradigm. And as we look across our country, we're living in the third largest lost population in the world within the borders of the United States. It helps us recalibrate and understand what's going to be most effective. Y'all with me on this? This is a good thing. And so be praying with me. You'll be getting texts and emails because I like to harass you with texts during the week. Uh, and, uh, but I know you get a lot of text messages. Don't delete those. But take that moment and pray as we send those out. Does that sound good to everybody? All right. Take your Bibles. Turn to Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5. We start a teaching series this morning on about eight verses in Galatians chapter 5, verses 16 through 26. Um, and here's that's 10 verses. I did the math wrong, but I graduated from Monroe. Forgive me. Here's the deal. Here's the deal. We're going to be walking through what they call the fruit of the Spirit. Now, if some of you have grown up in church before, you've heard of these love, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, and what? Self-control. Some of you have never heard that before. And when we talk about fruit, we're talking about the things that you bear as far as your character, how you live your life, what you do, that are representative of a transformed life, meaning someone that's come to know Jesus. You're called to bear some form of fruit. And what we're going to do, here's our objectives. They're twofold over the next several weeks because we're going to take each fruit of the Spirit and we're going to study what love really is. Now, some of us, you know, Forrest Gump's definition, I know what love is. Here's the deal. We're going to find the biblical term of what love is all about, right? We're going to help us understand what it means to have that self-control that God calls us. And the objective is, is twofold. One, we want to peel back the skin of the fruit and find out if it's fruit. Because many times, all of us at some point has faked it. But many times we don't really truly have a relationship with the Lord. And to find out if we have that relationship, we got to peel it back. And then the other part of it is that we want to peel it back and really understand, are we bearing the fruit that God has for us? So this is going to be somewhat convicting. I hope it is. Because we're going to, as, as your pastor, you guys as well, as we study some of these things, you're going to be like, I'm not doing a good job with that. Now, this is not meant to be moralistic. I want you to understand that. Fruit, as you bear that in the name of Jesus, is representative of a transformed life. Now, don't, don't get this wrong. Don't, don't miss this. You don't bear fruit. You don't do good things to get God to love you. You come to know Jesus, and he does something inside of you to where you change. You get this? That's what happens. Sometimes we put the cart before the horse. Don't do that. But the thing is, for those of us that know Jesus, some of us need a magnifying glass to find out if we're bearing any fruit. Y'all with me? And all of us struggle in these areas. And so over the next several weeks, we're really going to take a deep dive into each one of these things. This morning, we're going to do an overview of what fruit is not and what that looks like. But for the next several weeks, we're going to deal with each one of these attributes. So in your own personal time with the Lord this week, take some time, maybe every week for the next several weeks, and read Galatians chapter 5, verses 16 through 26. Y'all with me? And just really take some time and meditate on what each one of them say. So as we deal with that this morning, and as we look for that conviction, this is not something that's unusual. This is not something that's isolated in this passage. Jesus says this in Matthew chapter 7. Jesus makes these statements specifically as it pertains to fruit and he says this starting um starting in verse 15 in matthew chapter 7 
He says this, watch out for false prophets. They come in to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they were what? Ferocious as wolves. And so we've got to find out, peel back, find out, am I a Christian? And peel back, am I, am I demonstrating the fruit of the Spirit? Am I demonstrating that I know Jesus? And then peel back, are they Christian? Not because you want to condemn them, but because you want to share God's love with them. You hear me? Now, notice what happens next. Jesus makes this point. By their fruit, you will what? Now, say that loud online. Maybe say that loud to yourself and be the weirdo in the coffee shop. Here's the deal. By your fruit, you will what? Recognize them. Do you get that? Now, we're going to understand what is fruitless living and what is fruitful living and how to tell the difference in a few minutes. But you are recognized, if you're a Christian, by the fruit that you bear, not because of effort and trying to get God to love you, but because God loves you. You see the difference? I don't, I don't bring flowers to my wife to earn her love. I bring flowers to my wife because she loves me. You get it? Radical different thinking, right? Now, read a little bit further. By their fruit, you will recognize them. Do people put, pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs? from thistles now the answer is no agreed likewise every good tree bears good what fruit but a bad tree bears bad what fruit a good tree cannot bear bad fruit now that is important and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire thus by their fruit you will what recognize them so go back to galatians chapter 5 if we were to peel back the skin of your life, what would we find? If we were to peel back the skin of your life, what would be there? Years ago, we were visiting some family in Minneapolis, and it happened to be the same week where, when Prince, y'all remember the artist formerly known as Prince, right? <laughs> Passed away, and he was from that area. And so in that area specifically, it was all over the news. He was a huge philanthropist. He uh, was generous in things that he did. He was in the community. He did all types of stuff. And people in that area absolutely loved him. And I remember my son, who was probably six or seven at the time, sitting, out or sitting around with some family and friends and asked the question, well, Daddy, was he a Christian? And I didn't get to say anything, but people around him said, absolutely he was a believer. He knew Jesus. Look at what he did. And if they'd have really known him, he was absolutely involved in a cult. <laughs> Just because you do good things doesn't mean you know Jesus. There's a lot of people that lie to do good things. There's a lot of people do better things than Christians at times, right? If we look at just commitment level as it pertains to work, there's a different religion that many in our country hate because they, but yet they pray seven times a day. We don't do that, do we? So here's the deal. How do we begin to peel back and find out what the core is for you and I and then how to begin to apply that? How do we peel back the skin? What would we find? So here's what we're going to do. We're going to give a couple of truths this morning and then next week we're going to deal with each fruit. You with me on this? Each attribute. So notice what happens here. The first thing we've got to understand, Galatians chapter 5, verse 1, that is not in 16, obviously, through 26, but Galatians chapter 5, verse 1 tells us something that is very, very important. It sets up the context for this entire passage. It says this It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by the yoke of slavery. 
Here's the principle you need to understand. Real fruit is grown in freedom. Real fruit, real fruit. If we were to pull back the skin of your life, pull back the skin of my life and find out if it's an empty shell of plastic or if it's the lush fruit of of the spirit in your life, here's the deal. It's grown in freedom. Now, there is a difference between the freedom that we experience because of the country we live in and the freedom that we experience if we know Jesus. Now, last yesterday, we uh, hashtag never forget. We remember where we were. I'll never forget, like I said, when our prayer, I was sitting in a classroom in New Orleans, Louisiana. I had no idea what was going on. There were six or seven of us sitting in this room. You know where you were, right? Somebody came in and said, do you hear what's happening in our country? And I said, I have no idea. And I began to explain what the challenges and the things that were going on. I raced back to my apartment. My wife was there with several friends. They were all crying. I didn't know the extent of what was happening, but I sat there and watched, on, watched in horror for the next what seemed like hours and hours and hours as everything played out. You remember, right? And then I got to see people that I knew, and even you've experienced this, maybe directly or indirectly, go off to fight for the last 20 years. And I'm very grateful for that and humbled to be called a citizen of the United States and thankful that I can use my freedom to express Jesus. But there is a different type of freedom that this is talking about. I'm grateful for that freedom. But this freedom is talking about the yoke and the bondage of our shortcomings and sins. Is that when you possess the person of Jesus in your life, it's taken away. The bondage, the decay, the issues, but most importantly, the consequences. Let me illustrate it this way. I have a a small hobby farm, and I have goats. Some of you know what I'm talking about here. And I like using animal and farm illustrations because it's used so much in the Scripture. And um, for, for, for about a year, I could not keep my goats in the pen. I mean, they just like to escape. I heard somebody say the best way to keep a goat inside the fence is to open the gate because, man, no matter what I did, they got out. I finally got it fixed. I tied them up to a cement block. But uh, I'm kidding. I wouldn't do that but a week. Um, But uh, they would get out, and I had some vines and ivy hanging on some of my trees. And what was great was they'd go and eat all that up, and I didn't have to use any chemicals or weed eat or anything like that. But what was bad was the biggest goat, the billy goat with the big horns, got tangled up in the uh, hammock that was hanging in my yard. It was it was great. Um, as 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 we drove up, and I'll never forget this. This billy goat had wrapped himself like six times around a tree, tangled up, and ripped half of the hammock off, and was just laying there going, bah! and that's all he could do. Couldn't move. Now this thing's like two hundred pounds, and his horns are out there right there. It is a big billy goat. You with me on this? This is the only time I've ever touched this thing because when you've heard that phrase "wild as a billy goat," this thing is wild. This thing is crazy. This thing is mean. And listen to me. You don't want to get around it like that. So as I walk up to it, and I'm thinking about this reflectively, this thing got out of the pen, was eating all this lush ivy off all my trees, but at the same time was yoked, was burdened, was tangled up, and the more he tried to eat, the more he starved to death, and the more he tried to pull, the more tangled he got, and the more stuck he got, to the finally he could go nowhere. That is so representative of humanity is the more we try to fill ourselves, I did get him out and put him back in the pasture, just kind of to finish that story, because some of you are going to be like, you need, I'm calling Peter. <laughs> but here's the deal. I do want you to understand this. This is so representative of humanity. 
is the more we try to take our fill of what the world has for us, the more tangled we get. And if you are a believer and you're sitting in that place where you're experiencing freedom, the more we dabble back into these things of this world, the more tangled we get and the less we can walk down this pathway of freedom. Y'all with me on this? And here's what I want you to understand. If you want to bear the fruit that Christ has for you, if you want to experience and convey love, if you want to experience and demonstrate peace, if you want to have that self-control and yet show that self-control, it begins within the context of being free in Jesus. Period. Period, period, period. I can't say that. Exclamation point. It begins in Jesus. And for some of us, here, I want you to know this, that are so, here's the word, prideful, scared, fearful, to move forward in your walk with Christ because you're afraid that if you get untangled, it's going to be so awkward and you don't know or fully understand it. I want to challenge you to take that leap of faith that the religion you may have experienced in your past or where you walked the aisle may not be the saving faith that you need in order to get to heaven. That the baptism you're not, not wanting to take part of is the step of freedom that you truly need to experience to let yourself go and experience that truth in Jesus. Y'all with me on this, right? The point is, to produce fruit, we have to experience it in freedom. Now skip down to chapter 5. Let's go to, chapter, let's go to verse 16. Now we're going to read the entirety of this text, and then we're going to make some observations because this is where we're going to be walking in for the next several weeks. So I say, walk by the Spirit, verse 16. That word walk means to habitually make an effort to walk by the Spirit. Now, what is the Spirit? This is not some kind of premonition. This is not some kind of thing that just you conjure up. This is the Holy Spirit in your life. Let me help you understand here because there's a lot of confusion on this. There are two types of people in the church those who misinterpret the Holy Spirit and go crazy and those that forget and don't do anything with it. The biblical way is this. There is Father, Son, and what? Holy Spirit. Father is the one that presents Jesus. Jesus who comes to the cross and dies for our sins and rises from the dead is the payment for our sins and that's who we focus on and the Holy Spirit is what is in our life and it seals us. Ephesians chapter 1 says he comes into our life that is God in you, sealing you, directing you, convicting you. Okay? Now, I want to clear something else up too before we move forward. There are two concepts in scripture and I'm going way off the deep end here for a few moments but just hang with me. Okay, Stephen? Here's the deal. There are two things. There's being filled by the Spirit, and then you've heard that phrase, being baptized by the Spirit. Have you heard those before? To be filled by the Spirit is what we're talking about. That means consistent and constant submission to the Lord. To where He's empowering you and moving you forward to where you produce these fruits in a greater way. That is the spiritual fertilizer. Are you with me? Baptism of the Spirit happens one time. One time. And that's when you are immersed into the church when you come to know Jesus. He comes into your life and he stays there. You follow me on this. So if you hear somebody say, well, we got to get baptized with the Spirit. It only happens once, people. Now, why is that important? Because as we begin this journey this morning, we want to make sure that in our freedom with Jesus, that we are yielding to him in the appropriate biblical ways and not going off in some bad directions. Y'all with me? 
Because even good directions that we seem, seem to be in our mind can tangle us up and burden us and cause more burden and bondage rather than freedom. Are you with me? Now, dive back in. We're only five words in. I promise we're going to finish on time. So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other, so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, meaning you are hearing who, what he is saying, you are not under the law. The acts of the flesh are obvious. Now, when we talk about the flesh, that means you. That means me. Is that every person is born into this nature to do wrong. Nobody taught you and I how to lie. Agreed? You just came up with it one day. You are not the originator, but I, some of us have become perfectors. Agreed? It's just who we are. But when Christ comes into your life, you're captured by the Spirit, yet you live here in a world that is filled with the flesh. And so your old self is fighting against this new life constantly. And here's the principle we need to cling to here. Not only is spiritual growth birthed in the context of freedom, understand this. And this is so important. The war is real and it is lifelong. The struggle that you and I have to live out our faith and do the right thing is very real. It's not that you're in the middle of, uh, it's, it's not that you're a terrible person. It's not that you're not trying hard enough at times. Some of us aren't. It's not that you're cursed. You ever feel that way? Why do these bad things keep happening to me? Why is this always a struggle? Why do I keep dealing with these same habits I've always dealt with? Why can't I kick the addiction? You can fill in the blank, right? But here's what I want you to understand. The war is very real. And as much as I'd like to say, I've conquered my past sins and I'm just totally free from now. Listen to me. It is a lifelong struggle. The issues that I had 20 years ago, while I hope I've overcome those that are moving forward, still echo in my brain saying, what if? Y'all been there? Now, I say that to give you some hope. And I want you to normalize the fact that you struggle. And any other believer that looks at you and says everything's perfect, everything's fine, has a false sense of reality, people. Now, does that mean we stay put? No. It means we want to move forward. But there is a difference between fruitless living and fruitful living. Now, the rest of this series is going to be dealing with the fruitful. But this morning we need to deal with the fruitless living. Because as we go through this war together, there are certain arrows that we need to comprehend and discern in order not to do them anymore. You with me? So let's look at this passage. I got a few minutes to do this. And this is going to really take us to a new level. And then we're going to give some specific application. Go to verse 19 again. The acts of the flesh are what? Obvious. Now look, he's going to divide them up into four categories. So notice what happens here. Sexual immorality, impurity, and debauchery. That's one category. Idolatry and witchcraft. That's another category. Hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, and factions. That's another category. And envy. That's another category. And then drunkenness and orgies and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. Let's, let's deal with that last verse. Those who live like this, meaning an unrepentant lifestyle, don't know Jesus. That's the best way I can explain it. And what does that mean? Those 
who were doing these things, and all of us fit into one of those categories or multiple ones, agreed? Because if we want to talk about hatred, fits of rage, mean tantrums, all of us fit there, right? But here's what he's saying. Those who continue to do that without conviction or repentance don't know Jesus. That's a tough pill to swallow, right? Repentance means we're going in one direction, we realize it's wrong, and we're going in another. And so for some of us who have no conscience or conviction, but yet call themselves Christians, we may need to back up and peel back that skin again and see what's really on the inside. So let's look at these categories. Let's look at the fruitlessness. Let's go to the first one. Let's kind of understand what that means. Because sometimes we give ourselves a pass. Get this. So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you not gratify the sinful or the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires was contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit was contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other. That's the war. Now skip down to verse 19. The acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, and debauchery. It deals with the idea of sexual sin, both public and private. And I want you to notice here, when it says... When it says this, and we'll go to the Greek language to help us understand this, sexual immorality is the word pornea, where we get the word pornography. And any type of sexual immorality outside of marriage is sin. Whether it's you up at night when your family's asleep looking at a computer you shouldn't look at, whether it's the idea of toying with the idea of how you could commit an adulter, uh, adulterous affair, whether it's the idea of anything, anything public or private that is sexually immoral get this, is sinful and it will tangle you up around that hammock and starve you to death. Period. There's no wiggle room here. Then it goes on a little further. It says impurity. And the idea of impurity in that sexual context are things that begin to taint us and then it goes into sensuality which means simply this or debauchery which means lack of restraint. Debauchery, if we really dug in to the literal meaning here and there's a progression here sexual immorality impurity I'm just completely not of Christ I'm not of this world debauchery means this it means God I know what you want me to do and I don't care and that's isn't that the progression you put your toe in the water and it feels good and it scratches an itch for a moment then you wade out into the water and then you dive in tears us apart fruitless living and there's things we have to be careful of then it goes on to this you convicted yet it says this idolatry and witchcraft now what do these mean idolatry is the idea of putting anything before the Lord so idolatry in its most basic sense is an idol that you worship or religion that's not of Jesus but it's also things that we put before God some of us worship our kids some of us worship our spouse. That's idolatry, guys. And then they use the phrase witchcraft there. It's where we get the word pharmacia, pharmacy. Any type of mind-altering or mood-altering drug. Now, I'm taking out of the idea of a prescription medication, okay? Because there are times when we have to go and take surgery and you wake up and you see Smurf standing in your room, okay? But to be addicted to that is going in the wrong direction. And the progression is, is that these folks had idolatry in their life and it enhanced that experience. They would take drugs to have it. We do the same thing here, right? Then we take it another step further. 
Look at the societal issues that we deal with. See which one you fit in most, most, most easily. I know mine. Hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy. These are all things I think I struggle with. Do y'all? Man. These are the fruitless living things that we deal with as society, and it breaks down our relationships. You've ever had so much jealousy for a friend that destroyed the relationship? You ever developed sides in order to conquer someone else, and these factions emerged, and then envy took over? These are the things that cause fruitless living. It tears our relationships apart. Agreed? And then we have the last one drunkenness and orgies and the like these were all happened in pagan worship ceremonies and they would put themselves into a drunken stupor and the crude behavior began to tear them apart and the result of all this I warn you as I did before that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God now I want you to understand something here do I get jealous let's just use that one yes but to live in jealousy and like jealousy would make me cause to think, do I know Jesus? To live in jealousy and to love jealousy and to be okay with jealousy would mean, hey, do I really have a, not be convicted by it? Do I really know Christ? And so there, there are two reasons we walk through this this morning. One, if you're a Christian, these are fruitless pursuits that need to be abandoned. And two, if you're struggling with these and you don't feel bad about it, you may not know Jesus. You follow me on this? These are convictions, aren't they? These are difficult things. And listen, I'm going to tell you something. These are not Chip saying these things. This is the Bible, all right? But I want you to understand this is so important for us to move forward as we peel back and try to understand what it means to grow spiritually. Then we get into the last part here. I want you to understand this. But the fruit of the Spirit, verse 22, is love, joy, peace, patience, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and what? Self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with his passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit and let us not become conceited, provoking, and envying each other. Now, we're not going to deal with that this morning because we're going to deal with that for the next several weeks, okay? We're going to take each word. But what we're really trying to understand here is this, is that when we live in a fruitless lifestyle, we have to understand this huge principle because all of us struggle with this, but I get this. The principle is believers experience authentic behavioral change. Believers experience authentic behavioral change, meaning is that if you know Jesus, your life will change. There is no ifs, ands, or buts about it. You with me? And when we do step out of the, out of the boundaries of following Christ, we're convicted by it. We feel really guilty about it. You with me? And then we make a change. We do something different. Now, I recognize there are things that we have in our life that we're going to struggle with the entirety of our lives. But to do nothing speaks to the heart of whether we know Christ or not. So here's some things that we do because a lot of people, if you were to say this, Chip, a lot of people do a lot of good things. Are they good to go to heaven? Well, it depends if they know Christ or not because when I look at my own life and I look at people who don't even know Jesus, there are some people that are a lot more patient than I am. 
Y'all with me? There's some people who seem to have a lot more kindness than I do. So how in the world do we differentiate the two but two? Here's a couple of thoughts here. There is a difference between guilt and conviction. There's a difference between guilt and conviction. Guilt says, hey, you need to be ashamed. You need to be condemned. But conviction says you need to repent. Make sense? There's a difference. Guilt says you're worthless, be shamed, be, be convicted, I mean, be condemned. But conviction says that's wrong. I've stepped outside of God's paradigm and I need to run back to the Father. The best way to illustrate it is this. A young man does something wrong and he says, don't go tell my dad. That's guilt. A young man, the other man does something wrong. And he says, I've done something wrong. I need to go tell my dad. That's conviction. You see the difference? You got to run to the Father. There's a, everybody feels some form of guilt. That's what makes you a human being. But only Christians experience conviction. There's also a difference between the idea of maturity versus mission. And what does that mean? At, hopefully, as you grow up, you are leaving behind some of your past struggles. And that's called maturity. You may throw a tantrum at 28, but it's a different type of tantrum than it was at, at 2, right? I hope so, anyway. Maturity and mission are different. Maturity says, I'm going to make change in my life. Mission says, I'm going to make change because of Christ in my life. You see the difference? Totally different. And then we have the last one. It's the category of works versus grace. Some people have asked me, man, Mormons have to be followers of Jesus. Look at all the good stuff they do. My response to that is, they've got to do good stuff in order to get to heaven. See the difference? When you know Jesus, you get to heaven because you know Jesus. Everyone else has to work for it. Praise be to God, we don't have to work, right? That's the difference. And the key categorical component is this. It's repentance. And if you want to grow and produce more fruit in your life, you have to experience and practice repentance. And if you want to know Jesus, you've got to start repenting. You've got to repent and say, Christ, I can't do this on my own. You take over. So how do we begin to apply these things? Number one, the application is this. Fruit can only be grown in freedom. We've already said that, but here's what I want to reiterate. Some of you don't have spiritual fruit. You have good works, but you don't have spiritual fruit. If you peel back your life, there's nothing there. It's just an empty shell because you don't know Jesus. And today is a day where you need to know Christ. You need to take that step of faith. On the Connect card that you have, there's a box that says, Today I want to know Jesus. You can text in the phrase, I need Jesus, to 55498. We want to talk to you about that. But hear me on this. Don't pretend your faith. Authentically know it. You with me? Second thing is this. Crucify the flesh. Well, what is that? That's, a diff that's, that's kind of a painful word to say in a phrase, isn't it? Crucify the flesh. Notice what the Bible says here. Go to, verse, uh, go to verse 20, 24. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. What does that mean? That means if you know Jesus and you're dealing with one of these fruitless activities, you need to take the steps to move forward and repent and get away from it. What, is, what does that mean even further? It means it's going to be uncomfortable. It's going to be painful. You need to be merciless about it, and you've got to be intentional. You hear me on that? It is going to be uncomfortable. 
because it's a habit that we've decided that we're going to participate in. It's going to be painful because some life changes are going to have to happen. You need to be merciful because it's sin and it's tearing away your life and it's tangling you up when God intended you to live in freedom. And you've got to be intentional. You've got to deal with it. Get help and get encouragement from a small group, get accountability, whatever it may be. But crucify the desires of the flesh. Last step is to follow follow what does that mean the first following activity you need to understand here is if you go down to verse uh, let's deal with verse 16 through 18 so I say walk by the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh for the flesh desires are contrary to the spirit the spirit that is contrary to the flesh they are in conflict with each other so that you do whatever you want but if you are led by the spirit you are not under the law there's a word walk and there's a word led to follow Christ, to follow what God wants you to do. First of all, you've got to be led. You've got to hear his voice. That means practically get into the word of God. Practically get into scripture. Get into Bible.com and pick a plan. Practically pray. We're calling you to pray to see what we've got to do here as far as our empty staff member positions. And I want to challenge you to pray with me every time that we text you or email you. Are you with me on that? But we have to be led. I mean, we have to hear his voice. Hear his voice by getting in the word. Hear his voice by seeking his face. And then we have to walk. Go back to verse 16. So I say, walk by the Spirit. And then if you go all the way back down to the end of this section, it says, verse 25, since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in what? Step with him. Walk. What does walk mean? It means you got to put forth the effort, people. you got to do something. And what happens is the more you're led, the more you walk, less and less the cravings become. Less and less the cravings become. I invite you to peel back your life in this series. I challenge you over the next several weeks not to miss physically a Sunday unless providentially hindered. And I challenge you, I encourage you to begin the process of walking with the Spirit and being led by him. Y'all with me? Let's begin to abandon the fruitless and cling to the fruit. Let's pray together. Father, we love you. And God, we ask that in these moments that you would change us. And Lord, as we deal with this passage of scripture and how convicting it is, we know, God, that you are the author of this. And so I pray for you to change us. I pray for you to lead us. I pray for you to guide us. And I pray for you to direct us. In Jesus' most powerful and precious name we pray. Amen. Thank you.